Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money, a lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Yesterday at Smirconish.com, thank you for the Spectrum vote. 17,949 votes cast. Should Paul Pelosi's 911 call and all videotape pertaining to his attack be released to the press? The yes votes, 56.24%. The noes, 43.76%. Today, going back to the well on affirmative action, but from a specific angle that a guest of mine is going to help me explain. First, this from the Daily Mail posted at Smirconish.com today. Americans by wide margins don't want colleges, considering race when they pick students, Polling that suggests Americans would get behind the Supreme Court overruling affirmative action policies. This is a YouGov survey. It found that 54% of adults in the U.S. were against universities considering race as a factor in selecting applicants, even as part of efforts to boost diversity on campus. That far outweighs the 23% who wanted admissions tutors to use race to guide selections and similar numbers who were unsure. Democrats, unsurprisingly, more supportive of affirmative action policies than were Republicans, to which I add this footnote. But are we looking at the goal of affirmative action as being too much the spreading of or the ensuring of diversity and not enough addressing a history of racism? As per Adam Liptak, The Supreme Court on Monday appeared ready to rule that the race-conscious admissions programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina were unlawful based on questioning over five hours of vigorous and sometimes testy arguments, a move that would overrule decades of precedence. Much has been written on this subject in the last couple of days, but something caught my eye, co-authored by my next guest, Jeffrey Stone is the Edward Levy Distinguished Professor of Law at the University of Chicago. He's the co-author of the forthcoming A Legacy of Discrimination, the Essential Constitutionality of Affirmative Action, seemingly a book right on point. Professor, thanks for coming back to the program. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be here. So the, the piece that you wrote with Lee Bollinger was in The Atlantic, and it was so succinct And it was so unique because the two of you say, hey, black Americans continue to lag behind and the discrimination experienced by them over centuries has not been undone. So we need to fix it. Correct. Make the case. 
the original rationale for affirmative action was that given the history of our nation and given the contemporary disadvantages and discrimination um, and poverty and lack of quality education uh, that is available particularly for black Americans, that it is necessary for our nation to be accountable for that and to take steps to try to redress it. And that led to the uh, adoption of affirmative action programs uh, in many respects across the country. Um, And then in 1978, the Supreme Court in the Bakke case for the first time uh, considered the constitutionality of that sort of affirmative action, taking race into account in particular in the admissions process of uh, public institutions, public universities. And the court divided sharply all over the place. And Justice Powell uh, wrote a decisive opinion in the case, um, joined by none of the other justices, which basically said that we could uphold affirmative action in higher education if it is designed uh, to create diversity and and the academic and intellectual benefits of diversity in higher education. And that changed dramatically the understanding and rationale for affirmative action that has pre-existed, and over the years since then, it has become the primary subject of whether affirmative action is good, bad, or indifferent. But what Bollinger and I attempt to uh, make clear, both in the Atlantic piece and in our forthcoming book, is that that was never what affirmative action was profoundly or fundamentally about. It was about the fact that we live in a society that has a long history of slavery and Jim Crow and racism and the disadvantages that continue to fall upon black Americans uh, are dramatic, whether it's in the quality of K-12 education or employment opportunities or residential opportunities. And the consequence of that is to perpetuate the uh, both discrimination and the discriminatory effect upon black Americans. And the idea of affirmative action was to attempt to recognize that and to address it. And so that's the basic point of the of the uh, of the piece in the Atlantic and of our forthcoming book. Professor, I've read a lot of reaction to the Supreme Court argument on Monday in the last couple of days. What made your piece unique to me is that I don't see others. You tell me if you do tying this case or this pair of cases to the so-called original sin. Yours was a wake-up call and a reminder. Hey, there's a reason we have affirmative action, and it has not yet been remedied. Now, first of all, do you share my observation that others have not made that causal connection? Maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm correct in my assessment, why is that the case? Why aren't we going full circle and saying, let's remember why we have this? Well, I think the reason is that it's been a long time now since Baki, um, uh, Almost, uh, almost a half century since the justices have uh, dignified that explanation for affirmative action as relevant uh, to its legitimacy, and that has taken hold across America. I mean, people just talk about affirmative action diversity, affirmative action diversity, right? And 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 that's unfortunate. And Bolger and I uh, felt it was essential to remind people not only what was the original justification of affirmative action, but also why there is a compelling and moral justification for affirmative action in our nation, given our history and given our present reality. And I think the reason that lawyers in the case, for example, didn't focus on that is that the court has basically regarded that as not 
uh, an acceptable rationale for affirmative action ever since 1978. And um, I, I I wish some of the lawyers had made more of this than they did. But I think they didn't because they knew that this court was not going to accept that. Okay, you anticipated my next question because I didn't listen. I, I imagine that Jeffrey Stone from the University of Chicago is knowledgeable as to everything that was said in those five hours. I'm not. But my next question was going to be, did anyone arguing this case on Monday say the sort of things you're saying? And apparently the answer is no. Well, some of the justices asked questions along these lines. Right. Um, and... Uh, Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan, um, and uh, ask questions uh, along these lines. And the, the, the lawyers for the government, for the state, basically rejected this. That is, the challengers to affirmative action rejected this, citing Baki, and said that this is a no longer a justification of affirmative action. And I think that they understood, the justices understood, um, Andrew Brown Jackson also, that even though this was a powerful and morally correct justification, that none of the other six justices were going to buy into it. And therefore, it was not made a central feature of the argument, because they're arguing to win the case, uh, and they have precedent in their favor. I mean, the truth is, affirmative action has been upheld in the United States um, for half a century. And as in the Rowan Dobbs set of cases, um, overruling those prior decisions, like overruling Roe by this court, is a radical step that completely disregards half a century of precedent. Um, and to a large part of what the arguments were about was not making a new argument for affirmative action, but saying you have to follow the precedent. This is the law. This is what the majority of justices have held over the last half century. And I don't think that's a winning argument with these justices. America's history of slavery remains a justification for affirmative action for black Americans. That's the thesis, right? Not only slavery, but everything that's happened since slavery as well. Um, Jim Crow and uh, racial segregation um, and the continuing reality. You know, if you look at earnings, if you look at quality of, of K-12 education, if you look at residential opportunities, employment opportunities, there's just no question that blacks in our society continue to be disadvantaged and discriminated against, in fact, um, throughout our society. And slavery was the starting point of that, and the effects of slavery continue in that sense to this day. But it's not just that. It's that the fact that the history of racism against blacks in this country is pervasive and has been so for three and a half centuries. And it's time that we sort of recognize that and accepted the fact that we need to do something to address those errors uh, that are part of our, a central part of our past and a continuing part of our present. And to someone, and affirmative action was simply one way to do that. To someone who listens and says, well, wait a minute, other groups have been discriminated against as well, you would say, maybe true, but not to the extent of black Americans. Absolutely. I mean, certainly there's been lots of discrimination uh, throughout the United States and in different parts of the United States against different groups, but nothing comes remotely close to the experience that black Americans have had uh, over the last three and a half centuries, and even to today. Um, so, you know, there's been discrimination against Asian Americans, against Jewish Americans, against Native Americans, but none of that compares to what the reality of the history and the present is with respect to the black Americans. So a, a caller yesterday, I, I said that I was looking forward to getting you back on the program, and I've I've already touted this essay in advance. 
And a caller yesterday raised a question that I said I would pass on to Professor Jeffrey Stone, and you've heard it before. Well, okay, what about the professional couple where the husband and wife are black and they have a child uh, who is similar to them in that regard? And then there's the white plumber who has, you know, a son or a daughter, and now they're competing. Why should the advantage go to the professional couple because of skin color, where it's really a a socioeconomic matter now more than it is race that's going to disadvantage the son or daughter of the plumber? Hopefully you understand it better than I've articulated it. No, I understand the concern uh, perfectly. Um, If one asked whether the current state of reality for a particular black family compared to a particular white family, one of whom had been, the former of whom had been successful and the latter of whom had not been successful, uh, one might say that um, we should give benefit to the, the poor white family. But the reality here is we're talking about a history of discrimination and that did not apply to the poor white family. And that one of the things we want to do is to enable um, blacks in our society to have uh, the opportunities to move forward and, for example, the fact that we've had affirmative action for the last half century or so has enabled many lawyers, judges, justices, public officials, business people, doctors who are black to be in the positions they're in today, which they would not have been in otherwise. And the history of racial discrimination is very different than the discrimination against that particular white family you're talking about, um, who happens to be poor at this moment, but is not there because they've been endless discrimination against that, against their, their type. But some people would say, let's make it all socioeconomic without regard to race. Why is that insufficient? Help, help those who are economically disadvantaged, regardless of what they look like. Well, I'm all in favor of that, by the way. I mean, and, and colleges and universities do that. Um, they give huge amounts of financial aid uh, to students who are poor, and they take into account a lot of factors making admissions decisions, including lack of wealth um, in, in deciding who should be admitted to the college or to the university. Um, but with respect to race, there's a specific issue because there's not a long history of discrimination against the, the white family you're talking about. I mean, they're there because of a whole series of complicated events over decades, but that's not particularly because of discrimination against that group. Um, whereas for the black families, uh, that is very much the product of discrimination. Now, it's fair to say, you know, if you have an upper, uh, uh, well, well-to-do black family, you know, why give them the benefit? And the truth is, most universities uh, primarily try to give the benefit to not well-off black applicants. Um, but they're taking into account both race and history. Um, and the reality is that, you know, we think it's important for there to be black leaders in our society um, to, to set an example. Um, and the model, uh, the way we've increasingly had in the last 50 years because of affirmative action. I mean, the reason we have so many uh, black lawyers and black doctors and black public officials is because of affirmative action. We've given those people the opportunity to have a better education than they otherwise would have had and have enabled them to have better careers than they otherwise would have had. And that's had a significant impact upon the uh, heterogeneity of um, leaders in our country, but we still have a very long way to go. Did and you, I think this is about... Yeah, go on. I'm did sorry. you write this specific book with an eye toward... Did you anticipate, do you anticipate that the Supreme Court precedent relative to affirmative action in education is about to be overturned? And is that is that why this book is coming out, or at least why you've titled it as such? Um, we wrote the book 
because we knew uh, that given the current court, uh, the constitutionality and legality of affirmative action would be challenged. Now at risk in a serious way. Got it. And we wrote the book to tell people, including judges, before the case is decided, there is a better rationale, a better explanation for affirmative action than mere diversity. And to try to remind them of that fact. Yeah. Nobody, again, this whole week, nobody is saying it. It's all about diversity. Right. It's not about the original purpose. And that's why I found your piece so eye-opening. And I'm grateful of your willingness to come by and discuss it. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Professor. Jeffrey Stone is the Edward Levy Distinguished Service Professor of Law at the University of Chicago, co-author of the forthcoming A Legacy of Discrimination, The Essential Constitutionality of Affirmative Action. He wrote with Lee Bollinger the piece that I've made reference to, which includes this paragraph. Against this backdrop, we contend that black students remain particularly and egregiously disadvantaged. Further, we contend that we need affirmative action now more than ever precisely because of today's increased demographic complexity. If we do not redouble our commitment, black students won't just remain at the back of the line of American life. They will be pushed even further back. Today's poll question at Smirconish.com. Which is the stronger argument for continuation of affirmative action, the benefits of diversity or Addressing a History of Racism. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Gang. I thought that was really interesting. Professor Jeffrey Stone from the University of Chicago. Art, greetings in Atlanta on affirmative action. What did you want to say? 
Hey, Michael, thank you so much. I was, thanks for bringing him on, and I thought that was an amazing interview. Michael, let's say you and I are about to run a race in 350 days, right? We're going to run a 100-yard dash. But for 300 of those days, I beat you every single day with a baton on the legs. For 300 of those days. The last 50 days, I stopped beating you, but I don't allow you to get any medical care. And maybe five days before the race, I allow you to get medical care. And then I say, let's race. Do you think that's a fair race? No, I get I get your point. That's okay. really not. And what has happened yeah. in this country? What has happened in this country up until 1964, 100 years after slavery was ended, we had a system where the federal, state, local governments had a system to keep black Americans down for 100 years after the Civil War. So in 1964 was the first total removal of prohibitions against travel, lodging, voting, right, that the, our government imposed against black people. Fourteen years later, with the Balky challenge, we're challenging a form of affirmative action. Only 14 years after 1964, we have never invested in essentially repairing the damage done African Americans in this country, and now folks believe as if we've been doing it for centuries. We've only been doing it for maybe two or three decades. And diversity, the concept of diversity has basically lifted all boats white women, um, you know, Latinos. The diversity issue has to do with other underrepresented groups. But this issue of affirmative action has to do specifically to that 350 days that I just talked to you about. Right. Art, it's not, this is, I would suggest to you, this is not the conversation that the country has been having recently about affirmative action. That's why I found Professor Stone and Bollinger's piece to be so unique, because they're saying, wait a minute, we've lost, we've lost track of why we are doing this. There's something unique to black Americans. And when we talk about black Americans along with other groups, we're overlooking the original sin and we're taking our eye off the intended purpose. Nobody is saying that. Instead, it was people like me on Monday. On Monday, I'm talking about affirmative action and I'm saying things like, well, I think affirmative action is a good thing because when my, you know, when white, my white suburban boys go off to college, I, I don't want them with only kids who look like them. It's important for diversity. So I felt when I read his essay, I'm kind of responsible, like others, for redirecting this conversation from where it began. Michael, I was five years old in 1964. So in my lifetime, I'm a 63-year-old man. I feel pretty spry. In my lifetime, I was five years old before this country said that actually there is a right for you to vote in every part of this country or to travel and seek lodging in every part of this country. Five years yeah. old. So it's not right. like During, it was a yeah. thousand years ago. Right. During your lifetime. During, During your lifetime. lifetime. Right. Yeah, I, I get I it. I don't think uh, I'm an old dude. So this is, if you, if you are, I have a problem. If you are, I have a problem. Although I want to talk about, yeah. thank you, Art. Appreciate your phone call. I, I need to talk about that. Maybe tomorrow. It's good Friday fodder. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the fact that I remember writing a column in the 2008 World Series era, right. Phillies, when I was knee-deep in it, right? Yes. 
I wrote I, I was a, there. I wrote a specific <gasps> column on the Phillies walk-up music. Okay. And I actually interviewed whoever the, the, the house sound man was for Citizens Bank Park. You'll find this column because okay. it stands out of my Very mind. Very cool. So I said, like, Jimmy Rollins. I remember I interviewed Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Chase Utley. I didn't interview Talking all of them. Talking about their walk-up music. All about what is your walk-up song okay. and why. Great. Last night. I recognize none of them. <laughs> like I remember, I think it was you're Chase in, Utley who used my company. who used to walk up to Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, and which like, I, I love. get that well, right. I get it. I love it. You know, but now I'm, I'm and 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 all these all these like twenty somethings oh, yeah, are bopping their heads and so forth, oh, yeah. and they're totally in it. And I know nothing, and I know nothing. Jason, you're in California. Greetings on affirmative action. What did you want to say? Hey, Michael. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I listen to your show uh, all the time. Uh, really thanks, Jason. Your middle-of-the-road point of view. Thank um, you. I had two points, and then while I was waiting, I added another one, but I'll hit them really quick. First of all, if discrimination is wrong, it's wrong in both directions, in all directions. Nobody should be discriminated against. And I, and I think it's we're trying to justify affirmative action by saying, well, because of this, discrimination is right. And I just think that sends the wrong message. Uh, the second point is uh, I found it fascinating that the author's uh, answer to your question about what about the poor plumber's son was, he didn't say it, but in essence his answer was, well, that's just too darn bad for him. Because the, the, the real answer is he won't get the spot. He tried to say, well, schools try to make that up by helping uh, economically disadvantaged kids, but that kid won't get the spot. So, and then my third, my third comment was, I'm fascinated that this is, has come back around because didn't Harvard just decide they're going to resegregate and have a blacks-only graduation ceremony? How does that fit into this whole argument? That's, Look, there's something. The that I have. Okay, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. I think if Professor Stone were still here, he would say there is something unique to the black American experience, and that that if we don't remember that then we're not doing right by history it's it's an argument that just has not been advanced at least recently and i think is worthy of our consideration and discussion this is the smirconish podcast from sirius xm hey the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new suv like an adventure ready rav4 Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, it is Thursday. Give TC some play with TC After Dark. Big episode having just dropped on (laughs) pronunciation. 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 What word do you pronounce wrong? (laughs) 
That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it's about. And I, I fess up. I absolutely fess up. There are words that I mispronounce every oh, single time oh, I say we them. Know. Right. We know. But then I, I die. I, that's not a mispronunciation. That is a correct <laughs> pronunciation, oh, okay. gentlemen. Mm. Boy, oh boy. It's like fingers on the blackboard every time you say that. So you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you call yourself an Anglophile. Yes, I do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, back to the phones we go. This is Ron in Dubuque. Hey, Ron, I'm about to get a, uh, a report on exactly what's going down in Iowa on Tuesday from Dave Price, who really is the Iowa political expert. So you're a good warm up. What did you want to say? <laughs> Okay, first-time caller, long-time listener. I really like your show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm kind of a middle-of-the-road guy myself. All right. I have a solution, a proposed solution to this thing if the Supreme Court throws it out. I think you'd Hmm. agree that not every non-black person descended from a non-black person has been made advantaged from what happened to the black community. So... But blacks are disproportionately affected, mostly because of their because they're poor. Okay. We I if you think about this, I think they should use difference from classmates as the major uh, reason to get into college. If a, for example, if a student from a poor school gets a twenty four on ACT, but the school average is twelve, that student is much better than a kid that gets a 30 on the ACT from a school that averages 24. I get your point. It's mostly going to advantage poor people of color because they're in the poorer schools. So that without actually using race, it does help to fix that discriminatory or that being back, you know, from the country's perspective of helping people along. Right. Without theoretically, theoretically, discriminating against a white person. Theoretically, the admissions office at the college or university would know that that's an underachieving school, and therefore, wow, look at this score to to have earned on an SAT or ACT at that score that at that school that really says something. But I don't know how they could be sufficiently knowledgeable about all the school districts and high schools across the country. I I get your point, and I just want I to throw. Go ahead. A quick final thought. I think given given what is stored on computers nowadays, I think that data would be a, would be yeah, retrievable. Point. It ought to be. It ought to be. I'm, I'm reminded. Thank you, Ron. I'm reminded of Raj Chetty at Harvard. I just uh, spoke the other day at the Thomas Jefferson University, and I, I threw this into the mix. Remember the best path, the best path out of poverty? Zip code. And those who are on on the lower end of the income spectrum, being able to rub shoulders and have common experience with those who are more well-to-do financially. That's the ticket out. This is Carolyn in Frisco, Texas. Carolyn, what did you most want to say? Good morning. I just don't really think affirmative action is the number one threat to our democracy. I just think it's a political issue. We're coming up to um, a vote. I just wonder why our leaders are not talking about China. Because China is a real threat to our democracy. But in terms of education, I do agree K through 12 education is a national security issue. Because if you look at the test scores, I looked at Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They said since the pandemic, the test scores have gone down like 25, 30%. And I think they said it for eighth graders in Milwaukee, there's only 14% are proficient in reading and only 10% 
are proficient in math. And I do believe what Jeffrey Stone said, we need black leaders to set an example and be good role models. And Gwen Moore has been the congressional representative in that district for 20 years. And she's always out there doing real emotional things, blocking traffic and, you know, saying things on Twitter yesterday. She said, Americans deserve a government run by decent people. She said, minimizing political violence only normalizes and encourages such violence. And her son was convicted in 2002 for slashing tires of the GOP. Okay, Carolyn, you, you hit me with like nine different things there. I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure which one to respond to other than to say nobody said that affirmative action was the, the you know, the single most important issue headed into the midterms. I I'm bringing it up, obviously, because Monday we had five hours of argument in the Supreme Court of the United States, and they seem poised to overturn the affirmative action that's been used at elite institutions for quite some time. Sonny, Maryland, greetings. What did you want to say? Hey, Michael, thanks for taking the call. And just to give you a, a minority's perspective on the affirmative action stuff, like I get what everybody's saying about discrimination on either way is wrong, but racism still exists. And the reality is if that business owner doesn't want to hire black people, even if they're qualified, he won't. If that school doesn't want to admit Latinos, they won't. So I think it's a very naive thought process in regards to how a lot of people are thinking about this oh, let's just make it all fair and even. Well, we don't live in a U.S. filled with unicorns, rainbows, and cotton candy. The reality is there's a lot of racism and there's a lot of hate, and certain things need to be put in place to make it an even playing field. And if you have a problem with that, you need to look in the mirror. It's going to be increasingly, this is me speaking now, not Sonny, it's, it's going to become increasingly difficult to protect the interests of blacks on the issue that we're discussing as the country becomes more and more diverse, because people are going to say, well, come on, look at us all now. We're all we're all even, Stephen, because we're all equal. Whites are now majority minority. Nobody's got the edge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if Professor Stone were still here, he'd say, wait a minute, black students aren't going to remain at the back of the line. They're going to be pushed even further back because because we've never corrected for the original sin. That's the argument. I think it's provocative. And this has been great. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.